I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9 is the second prophet. You've got Isaiah, then Jeremiah, then you see Lamentations. Go back if you see. You won't see Lamentations. If you see Zeke, will make a U-turn. The book of Jeremiah chapter 9. I want to talk to you tonight about God. Wouldn't that be a good thing to talk about in church? Maybe think that'd be a good thing to talk about. I'm talk to you about what he's like tonight. Uh, getting to know God. Um, let me just tell you what I've learned from the Bible. The, this one we call Father or God, he's a person. That's why he's referred to as he. That's why Jesus said, when you talk to him, say our Father. He's a person. And if he's a person, he has a personality. And if he has a personality, if he's a person, has a personality, that means there's some things he likes. And there's some things he dislikes. All right, some of you got a personality. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How many of you, there's some things you like? And maybe there's some things you dislike. Would you agree with what I'm fixing to say? If you're going to have a relationship with somebody, what's really the first thing you do? You try to find out what they like and dislike because you've got to know what they like and dislike to have a relationship with them. Would you agree with that? Within 20 minutes of seeing my wife for the first time, we've been together 41 years. Within 20 minutes of seeing her, I knew some things she liked. I found out. Good to know that. I found some things she didn't like. I was one of them at the time, but we came around. She didn't like cigarettes and me. And uh, you spend your life, you can't have a relationship with somebody unless you know what they like and what they don't like. Would you agree? You stumble all over each other. If God has a personality, there's some things he likes and things he don't like. I believe the most important thing to do is get to know him and find out what he likes and find out what he doesn't like. This is that great passage in Jeremiah that talks about it. Now, let me give you a brief testimony. I was saved and I had nothing to do with it. I, I didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. I wasn't looking for him. I was happy on the highway to hell and I was raising hell and living like the devil and God ambushed me. Some of you got like, some of you slowly came into the kingdom. I got drop tackled into the kingdom and I was just ambushed in one night. The Holy Spirit came down I'd never had an experience like that in my life. And it was just like, he just kicked me. He drop kicked me into the kingdom in one night. Boom, just boom. I, had no, I didn't want anything to do with him. And I was saved in one night. And I was just, bam. It was more of a Paul uh, on the road to Tarsus type thing. That's, now that, I don't, I don't like to tell that a lot because people expect that. Billy Graham got to saved when he made a decision. He said, I didn't feel nothing, but I knew I needed Jesus. And maybe we would agree Billy Graham saved even though he had an emotional decision. All right, but I had a very dramatic uh, conversion and I got caught up in this thing called Jesus all of a sudden the Bible I could understand it the, the next day because the Holy Spirit came in who wrote it and I, I began to go to church and they began to teach me about God because this is the new thing in my life I knew nothing about him except he didn't like me and he didn't like my music and he didn't like my lifestyle they told me that church people told me that so all of a sudden he's my thing and I'm caught up in this God thing and I thought you know what do you say well what do I do do I, do I have to change my clothes? Yes, I had to do that. How about my long hair? hair was, my hair was way down to here at the time. I had to cut my hair. It's not much of a problem now. I had to do that. But I just had to do all this stuff. So they began to teach me about God. And I began to learn. Within a year and a half, I'm a preacher. 
from hell's angels to heaven's messengers. Just boom, right there. And I'm a preacher for a while and I'm doing what I was taught to do as a preacher in my, because everybody's got their cubbies. Baptists got their cubbies and there's a number of cubbies within that cubby. Methodists got their cubby. There's two in there. Episcopalians have a very small cubby and everybody's got their cubbies now and you, you do your thing that your cubby does and I'm doing my thing and you know, I'm, I'm doing the thing. And, um, but in my heart, something kept saying, gotta be more to it than this was here. So I began to do something that not many people do. Instead of learning how to lead a church and learn how to be a Christian, I began to decide I would seek the face of God. I decided I wanted to get to know God. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of a man named C.S. Lewis, greatest Christian thinker of the previous century, uh, wrote The Lion, Witch, Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia, great, you know, he was, a, he was an Oxford teacher, brilliant man. He was an atheist on the way to hell. He was going to read the Bible to refute the claims of Christ, and guess what happened to him? Jesus stood up in that Bible, and he became a great believer, and he began to seek God. And I, I'm, matter of fact, I'm reading his autobiography right now. And he has the gift of a number of writers. He can say in only 20 pages what could be said in a paragraph. And uh, so I'm reading it right now. And, and his, his, the title of his autobiography is Surprised by Joy. And he said, you know, I've been around religion all my life. All of us have. Everybody knows somebody that's a Christian or whatever. Everybody's been to church. And even those of us that go, he said, I, you know, I started going. But he said, I decided I didn't want to be an Oxford Don anymore. He decided I wanted to get to know God. And he said, I began to seek the face of God. And he said, I was so surprised by what he was like when I really got to know him. Well, that's, that's been my story. I've been so surprised by what he was like when I got to know him. And uh, I want to say this. A lot of people learn their doctrine. They learn how their church operates. Seek ye the Lord. If you're going to do anything in your life, get to know the God who created you. It, it's good to know how to act. It's good to know how to treat people. It's good to know how to win friends and influence, you know, beer salesmen, all that stuff. But listen, the most important thing you'll ever do is get to know God personally and, and seek the Lord. Who does He reward? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For those who come to Him have to believe He is. And He's a rewarder of those who seek answers to prayer. Him. Get to know God. Just tell him, I want to get to know you. I had a fellow call me today. He said, let's go. He said, let's go to the coffee shop. Me and you get some coffee. And get, so we can get to know each other. I said, I got a better idea. Why don't you come out to the farm? Let's blow something up. We'll get to know the, each other out there. I, I don't do coffee shops. I'd go with a woman, but not a man. But you know, we, 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 we get to know somebody. You get to know God. You said, I can't go to the coffee shop with him. You can get to know him like that. I don't want to show you what he says is important. This is that great passage in Jeremiah chapter 9 about getting to know God personally. I want you to read with me Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Now, he's got a couple of commendations before we get there. Verse Jeremiah 9, 23. I love this right here. Thus saith the Lord, or says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. You know what the word glory, you will see that word glory over and over. You know what the word glory means there? Don't get excited about it. Don't brag about it. Don't be proud of it. What do you say to intelligent people? Don't get cocky because you're smart. Let not the intelligent wise man get all jacked up because he's real smart. Why, why would God say to intelligent? And by the way, one of the problems with intelligence is pride. People that are real smart are proud of it. 
I'm riding down the road with a friend years ago. We're going through the radio. We came across the station. I was listening. And all of a sudden it broke and it said, this is, I forget, uh, public something. It said, this is intelligent radio for intelligent people. I just reached over and switched it off. I said, we're out of here. There was, what did God say? Don't be cocky if you're smart. You know why you shouldn't be cocky if you're real smart? The same God that gave you that brain could change your IQ to 50 and you couldn't, even try, you couldn't tie your shoes. He said, don't get it. We're so excited about how smart people are. He said, don't do that. Look at number two. He said, let not the mighty man glory in his might. If you're a boss man or a political leader or you're in charge of something, don't get jacked up because you've got power. He said, don't get excited about power. Don't be all proud because you got promoted. And then the third thing he said, this would apply to our land. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. He said, if you're rich, don't be excited about it. Be thankful, enjoy it, share it with people, but don't be snotty because you got money. By the way, when I pause, when I pause, he likes for you to say amen. That's one of the things he likes. <laughs> don't be snotty because you got money. He said, the Bible says, be humble about it and give it, give it away. Be thankful. And he said, look, he said, don't be, what's he saying right here? Don't get so jacked up because you're smart and powerful and rich. Now he shifts gears. Watch this. Let him who glories glory in this. Well, if I can't be snotty because I'm rich and I can't be proud because I'm smart, what can I enjoy in life? What can I be jacked up about? Watch this. Let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Now, dear ones, who understands God? Nobody. Nobody can think with him. I mean, he, he fills heaven and earth. You can't even get the toilet unclogged half the time. I mean, but, but I want you to understand the language that's written in Hebrew here, that he is, he is getting to know me better and better. He's growing in his understanding of me and he's getting to know. He said, if you want to be excited about something, let your excitement be because you're getting to know me better. And you're growing in me. And then he begins to reveal this. Watch this. I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, justice. Some Bibles might say judgment. The better word is justice and righteousness in the earth. He said, if you're going to get excited about something, get excited about the fact that you're getting to know me and what else? What, I, what I'm like and what I like. I don't want you to watch these words. For in these I, what? How many of you believe God delights? What's the word delight mean? Enjoy. Could I say this? And th this is one of the things I've learned about him that just shocks people. Do you believe God gets excited about some things? That's what delight, what does the word delight mean? He said, that, he said there are some things I really enjoy. Well, if, my, if the heavenly father tells me there's some things he enjoys, these things I enjoy, I want to know what they are. I want to get to know him. I want to know what he enjoys. I want to know what he delights in. I want to know what excites God. People just stunned that I would say God gets excited. What do you think Luke chapter 15 means? That a man had a son who was a prodigal and he came home and he ran and grabbed him and kissed him and said, let us celebrate and be glad. Who's that a picture of? That's the great passage where you get to know the heart of God, some things he likes. Listen, we need to learn the things that are dear to his heart and what really excites him. And let me tell you what I've learned. I was like C.S. Lewis was surprised as he got to know him. I've been shocked as I've gotten to know him. And matter of fact, several times I've told him, I've told him this no few times. Them people that tried to teach me about you in the early days, they lied to me. They didn't tell me the truth. They told me you were mean. Well, they didn't say mean. They just said demanding. And they told me you didn't like music either. And that's a lie. 
But the Bible says, that just listen, if you want to delight in something, delight in the fact that you're getting to know me and you're learning what I like and you're learning what I delight in. I want to take a little bit of time. We're just going to have fun tonight. I want to take a minute. And uh, let me tell you some of the things that I've learned. And I, this is my heart's desire. I, I really don't care whether I pastor or not. I love it and I love people. I don't have to be a preacher to be complete. My heart's desire is to know what God's like and to hear his voice and to be his friend. Let me tell you some things that I've been surprised by about him through the years as I've gotten to know him. Number one, he really likes music. He loves music. I mean, he's a music. He created it. Do you know that? You did know he created it. There's this guy called Hornyhead. He stole it because he's a thief and he perverted it. Any music that doesn't glorify God is stolen. I don't know why these artists are mad because people are stealing their music. You stole it unless it glorifies God, because he created it. But let me tell you, he likes music. All right, now you say, some of you knew that. All right, let me go a little further. He likes loud music. He, he, God, this is going to make y'all ill. He don't like reverence. I don't have time to walk you through the Bible. He, he calls it rigor mortis. He likes exciting, passionate music. Go to his throne room and look. Read the Bible. He just likes loud music. He likes cymbals. I remember when we weren't allowed to have drums in the church. How can you praise the Lord with resounding and clashing cymbals if you don't bring them into church? I'm telling you, we messed up in our churches. We should have gone with the Bible. He just likes music. He loves music. And he loves, uh, he likes worship. He's just really into this stuff. I think we should all do a deep study through the worship of the Bible, especially the book of Psalms, joyful shouts, celebration with loud singing. It's just do a study of the exclamation marks through the Bible. My heavenly father and J.L. Williams loved exclamation marks. He, he just, they're all through the place. And uh, the worship of heaven, he just, he likes music. I mean, he just loves music a lot, and he loves for you to sing it to him. He said, I'm not a musician. He don't care. Let me tell you the difference between, between him and Simon Cowell. <laughs> Simon Cowell will clean you out if you ain't good. Man looks on the outward appearance of the voice. God looks on the heart. I don't care if you sing terrible. God's looking at your heart. That's why the Bible says singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If he don't like for me to sing, why'd he tell me 63 times never sing to him? Personally. Not sing in front of you. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Singing, making melody to the Lord in your heart. Why do you tell me to do that if he didn't like it? That's his favorite thing. He, he just likes worship music. If you don't like music, don't go to heaven. And if you don't like rowdiness, don't go to heaven either. Number two, what's the first thing the Bible says here he really enjoys? Verse uh, 24, let him who gets excited, get excited about this. He understands and knows me. I'm the Lord God. Exercising what? Loving kindness. Now, love is different from loving kindness. Love is when you have an attitude towards somebody. Loving kindness is when you do something for them because of that attitude. You're kind to people because you love them. What is the first thing to say? What does he delight? These things I delight. What, is, what does he really enjoy more than anything else? Being kind to people because he loves them. That's his delight. That's what just thrills him is to be kind to people uh, because he loves them. I, that, uh, 
You know, I can remember first time I ever met my sweetheart, I, I wanted to go out with her. We were, we met in the cafeteria that Saturday morning. I said, well, let's do, what do you, I said, what do you like to do? She said, I like to run. I thought, oh, you run. I, oh, you run. I running for nothing. So I said to her, okay, let's go running this afternoon. We went running. We ran, came right back to the same place. What was the purpose? But I found out that she liked running. So I, you're catching on. I, I went running with her. If God likes music, I'm going to sing. If he likes loving kindness, I'm going to let him be kind to me. I'm going to delight in his loving kindness. If that's what he likes. You know, I was taught he likes to get sinners. He got his son so he could be good to sinners. He, he just, loving kindness is his thing. He, and he, by the way, he likes it when people do it too. Hey, let me show you something. Hey, let me show you. Turn with, I'm, I'm sorry. Turn to Matthew chapter six. You know what else I learned? This is, I hope this don't offend. I hope you don't get offended tonight. He don't care much for ministerial voices either. My wife and I somewhere in this guy, we were talking to him. Then he got on the platform and it just, he, he morphed. He changed and he said, the Lord is, and I, I leaned over. I said, you think he talks to his wife in the bed like that at night? Where do we get this stuff from? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I... Let, me, let me show you something. Verse 44. I say to you, love your enemies. Who wrote that? By the way. Oh, I forgot to point something out to you. Guess where I learned about God from? Guess. The Bible. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tremendous. I read all the time. I'm reading three, three biographies right now. Uh, C.S. Lewis is one of Teddy Roosevelt. And, other, and I, I read biographies is where I learn about people. Can I ask you a question? Is this a book about God? Who wrote it? Does that make it an autobiography? This is his biography. He wrote it. And uh, who wrote Love Your Enemies? Who wrote that? Come on, y'all know who wrote it. Who wrote it? God wrote it. He said this. He said, he said Love Your Enemies. <clears throat> bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for people that stab you in the back. Verse 45, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Now you don't become a Christian by doing that. You're like him when you do that because that's what he's like. I may believe God loves his enemies. I may believe he's good to those who hate him. Read verse 45 with me. That you may be sons of your father. He makes his son rise on the evil and the good. Was today not one of the most beautiful days in world history? He shined his sun on the people that are cursing his name today. Do you know that? Guess why? He's good to people. I mean, it's just good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 48, you shall be perfect as your father's perfect. What do he say right there? When you become like me, you'll love your enemies. You'll bless people that curse. You'll pray for people that despise you. He, he just, he loves love. That's his thing. Let me, let me tell you another one real quick. A lot of people don't put much emphasis on this one, but he, he built the whole Bible on this one. He loves faith. Faith is his thing. He, he's always looking. If, if you want to give him something, don't buy him a pocket knife. He don't need one. And uh, don't be religious. He don't like that. If you want to give him something, give him faith. That's what he really likes. Without faith, so, listen to this saying I came up with. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Guess why? Because that's what pleases him. That's what he likes. But listen, if you want to glory, glory in this, you're getting to know me, what I delight in. He delights in faith. That's why the whole Bible is a book of faith. What was he always looking for in people? 
Moses, David, I mean, name it. What was he always looking for? Faith. And he, what, would he, what would he say to people? Come on, come on, if you can believe, come on. There was, if you're going to buy him something, don't buy him flowers. He owns them all. He wants faith. And guess what? If I find out he likes faith, guess what I'm going to give him? I, he, don't, he don't need my opinion. Heck, you don't even need my opinion. <laughs> I want to give him faith. If that's what he likes, that's what I'm going to give him. My wife's favorite flower is daisies. I came out better than somebody, but daisies are cheaper than roses. Matter of fact, I figure if they were within a few feet of the highway in your yard, they're mine. I mean, they're just, they're growing wild. <laughs> Take them home, bless you. I, just, daisies are her thing. Guess, guess what? I'm going to take her. I guess I'm on the hook now, ain't I? better get some on the way home. I'm going to take her day. If that's what she likes. Do y'all understand this? Give unto the Lord. Well, give him what, if he likes faith, give it to him. Th- listen, he delights in it. He just enjoys. He enjoys faith. It's one of the things he really likes. Uh, let me go a little further here. This was one of the most shocking things I ever learned about him. He likes gladness and excitement. He loves for his children to be glad. How many of you like for your children to be depressed? What's the difference in being depressed and acting religious? Looks like the same thing to me. I, I went to church as a young man. The reason I didn't want to go is people looked like they'd been stuffed with a curtain rod and vaccinated with pickle juice. You're going to just all... They were normal until they went in that building. And I swear they froze in there. I, I, let me show you where the revelation came. Take, take a minute with me. Turn me to Psalm 100. I have spent, this is the number one psalm I've meditated for years now. You say, how can you get so much out of one psalm? It's simple. I I don't know. But I know this. Let let me show you what he taught me in this psalm right here. And by the way, this is not an oddball psalm. This psalm is reflective of all the psalms. Hey, can I, let me tell you something else he told me. He said, son, what's the biggest book in my word? I said, psalms. He said, what's the book right in the middle of my word? I said, psalms. He said, the biggest thing in your life should be the worship of God. It should be central and it should be central in your life. Well, see, as a preacher, I've been taught the only reason we have music is to, is to get the folks rounded up. The preaching is the main thing. Worship is the big thing with him. I mean, he don't get nothing out of preaching. He's already heard it. The worship blesses him. All right, look at him in Psalm 101. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Who wrote that? Well, do you know what happens to you if you go in an average church and start shouting with joy? Listen, listen to me. Did it say make a joyful shout in the church or did it say turn toward him and shout at him? He likes it. Listen, if he likes joyful shouting, guess what I'm going to do? Serve the Lord with sadness. He, I'm telling you, he likes gladness. Listen, if the man says, if you're going to serve me, I want you to be glad about it. Hey, guess what? I got no choice but to obey him. Is that what it says right there? A lot of times, you know, I just sing. Everywhere I go, I sing, and I just enjoy life. And I'll be in a, going in the checkout line or something. The girl said, you're happy today. And I just tell her I don't have a choice. I have to. It's part of my religion. What does it say right there? I have to be glad. God commands it. I asked a Baptist preacher friend of mine one time. I said, you tithe? He said, you know I do. I said, why are you tithe? He said, Brother Baker's the Bible says too. I said, same Bible that tells you to serve the Lord to gladness. How come you don't do that? And I got on him. I said, why don't you throw your Baptist scissors away? And I would just pick it. I said, throw your scissors away. Read the whole Bible. I never know we should do all of it. All right. I just love this thing. And uh, <clears throat> you can come before God with singing. He made you. Thanksgiving. Praise. You could just go through there. Joyful shouting. He, he wants people to be glad. 
You say, well, Brother Brian, how can you be glad in these days? I don't have time to take you through that, but he's got an answer for that too. Rejoice in the Lord on the days that end in Y. That's exactly what he said. I'm just telling you, he just likes gladness. Uh, who was the man after God's own heart? King David. What do you know about him? Was he a great, I mean, was he a perfect man? Not even close. What do you know about David? That man passionately loved God and danced in his presence. That's why he was a man after God's heart. He, you just, that's, why we read, that's why we read the Bible to learn from it. Uh, let me tell you something else I find out he's real big on. And I really didn't know this until I got to know him because the church taught me otherwise. I mean, I'm not being cute. The church taught me opposite about this. He's the most forgiven person I ever met. He loves to forgive. He delights in forgiveness. I'm praying one day and the Holy Spirit said this to me. Here's what you've been taught, son. You've been taught that the voice of God says this. I'll forgive you if you ask me, but I would really like to judge you. He said, it's a lie from hell. He said, I long to forgive you. If you make me in the end, I'll have to judge you, but I really want to forgive you. He just loves forgiveness. He's always looking for a chance to forgive. What do you think it means in there? I've stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people. Why do you think Jesus, Jerusalem is the city that has hated God and injured him more than any city on earth. And right before Jesus was crucified, he walked up to Jerusalem. He stood there and the Bible said, and he wept as he looked at the city and said, all I wanted to do was gather you like a hen gathers her chicks and you wouldn't let me. <clears throat> You read the stories of Nineveh in the Bible. He will do anything in the world to forgive people if they'll just meet him anywhere. He's the most forgiven person in the world. And let me, if you want to bless him, let me tell you, by the way, I was taught by church, he's not very forgiving. You screw up one time, you're out of here. <clears throat> if you want to bless him, be like him. Forgive like he forgives. He's the most forgiving person that ever, he just, forgiveness is his thing. And uh, he just loves it. Matter of fact, I, the great transforming verse, you should say this verse, quoted every day. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and he has a tender heart over all his works. That's Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. That, that needs to be written on the human heart. I think somehow that a spirit of religion has written that uh, he's not as forgiving as he is. He's the most forgiving person in the world. How many of you would nail your son to a cross to forgive somebody? I wouldn't. He just, he forgives so quickly. And uh, matter of fact, you know what you have to do to be forgiven? Just ask. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then he'll do the cleansing from the junk. You don't even have to make up for it. And he, your sins he'll remember no more. Now, as soon as you get forgiven, that other guy, he'll pile in your head and beat you up, but it's not the king of glory. He's the most forgiven person that ever lived. And uh, <clears throat> let, me, let me tell you something else about him. This is one of my, I just, this verse pulled me out of a pit one time. He is the God of hope. And he loves to give people hope. There's nothing he loves to do more than to come into a situation that's dark and speak into it and hope, right? Well, listen, when he speaks, hope rises. He's just the God. That's why the Bible calls him Romans 15, 13. Please memorize that verse. He's the God of hope who fills people with hope by the Holy Spirit. And here's how, here's how you know you've heard from God. I don't care what's going on. Hope rises up in your heart. When he speaks, hope comes. Two of my favorite verses I review every, I got verses I review every morning. Two of my favorite ones, Genesis 18, 14 says this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
You know why he's real big on hope? Well, let me, let me ask you this. What can he not do? I mean, he, he's really good at stuff. By the way, he's big too. He's really good at stuff. And Mark 10, 27 says this. If you can believe, all things are possible for those who believe. I mean, just, he, just, he just brings light in the hope. All right, let me show This is one of my favorites. Let me give you another one here. Generosity. He is the most given man I ever met. I mean, he, he looks for ways to give. And you know what's the great thing about him being so generous? He's rich. You know, if you're generous, but you're poor, that ain't no big deal. But if you're rich and you're generous, listen, he, there's nothing stingy about him. That's why I love Matthew chapter 20, where he said this, I wish to give to others the same as others, even when they don't deserve. He's just looking for somebody to give something to. Let me show you one of the great verses in the Bible. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. <clears throat> and I'm going to teach you something about him here and teach you something about life here. Now, you know, you've heard people, you preachers are always after people's money. Yep. Heck, I don't need to be. I got it now. We're not after nobody's money. Listen, God's not after your money. My goodness. Why would he be? He don't need yours. He's got his own. But I want to show you something. This is one of the, now you will hear people say this, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't see it in the Bible, if I'm lying, I'm done. Watch this. I don't, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Second Corinthians chapter nine. All right, this is talking about giving. And it's not talking about, it's talking about giving things to people. And this particular passage, they're talking about there's some people in this church over here were really suffering because of a famine and he wanted this church to go give them some money and bring them food. And it's to my giving. But he said, I want, I want, to, I want to qualify your giving. How many of you know our giving should be qualified? We've got to do it the way he wants it done. Here's what he says about giving. Read this with me, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one give as he purposes in his heart. Don't you give anybody anything unless you want to from the heart. Now watch this. Not grudgingly, don't give because you have to, or of necessity under compulsion. If you feel like you have to give, don't you dare get your pocketbook out. I don't want anybody to give anything if they feel com compulsed or if they're being pushed to. That's what it makes me ill when preachers say, you better give, you better give. Your child's going to get sick if you don't give. Oh, God have mercy. What's the Bible say right here? If you're going to give something, I want it to be because you want to in your heart. Don't you ever give a dime because you feel like you have to. Give it because you want to. Now watch this. Tell me something he likes. Watch this right here. Because God loves a what? There we're on that glad stuff again. Tell me what it says God likes in that verse. Now we do have a little bit of theological problem here, don't we? If God loves a cheerful giver, does that mean he hates a skin flint? No, no, the language is a little confusing there. It should read like this. God loves it when we give cheerfully. You know, what, you know what he likes to see? He likes to see me just take, when he's blessed me, take some of that money or that food or one of them guns or whatever and just, just, just be so glad about giving it to somebody. That lights him up. That's what it means. He delights when I give cheerfully. All right, now, listen, here's, here's the question. I hope you don't miss this. Guess why he loves it when people give cheerfully? Guess. He, that's him. I want, I want you to be like, I want you to just give and love doing it. I want you to be a cheerful giver. Hey, you know, he never says, oh, Gabriel, is it time to pay beggars again? Fine, write him a check. He's not like that at all. He, he loves to give. He, he's the most generous person in North Carolina. And why does he say, don't you ever give a dime if you don't want to do it? 
I used to tell people, as a matter of fact, I still believe it. If you're giving money because you feel like you have to, don't mess my offering up, keep your money. I want people to give it because they want to. I mean, not like he hadn't given me anything. He just, he loves to give things to people. He's not stodgy. He's the most generous person you ever meet in your life. I mean, he just, <clears throat> I thought I'd show that to you. All right, <clears throat> let me tell you something else I've learned. And this has become one of my favorites. You say, it's your personality. I got it out of the Bible. God loves nature. He loves the outdoors. All right, let me, let me ask you, see if the Bible says this. In the first chapter in the Bible says, <clears throat> and God built a condominium and he put man and woman in the condo and told them manage the condominium. <laughs> the pool area, the game room, everything. Is that what he said? God built a garden. He put man and woman in the garden. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, you know, you ever been to New York? I said, I've been around New York more than anybody except a cab driver and a policeman. I've been all over New York, all five boroughs, been in a lot of homes. She said, there's nothing like it is there. I said, nope. There ain't nothing like it. I said, it's nasty, it's old, and they're mean. I'm, I'm sorry, if you're from there, I'm glad you're from there. <laughs> God created a garden, and he put, he put people in a garden. One of these days, we're going back to the garden. You say, I don't like being outdoors. Don't go to heaven. We're going back to the garden, and he, he just... He created a garden. He created the outdoors. He created plants and animals. And he said, this is good. He just loves the outdoors. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament reveals his handiwork. There's no language where he doesn't speak. Matter of fact, let me tell you what this book says. Where's the first place you learn about God? Not the Bible. Nature. The Bible said in Romans 1, the first place you should learn about God is by looking at nature. He said, because the things he created has revealed his has revealed himself so that we're without excuse. He he just loves the outdoors. And I, I think uh, sometimes Christians get so churchy. Christians need to go bird watching. They need to go catfishing. They need to get out of the house and get off the keyboard. And I ain't talking about that keyboard. You need to get on that one. You need to get outside and breathe. In the stars, his handiwork I see. On the screen, his handiwork I don't see. Get out there and enjoy yourself some. He just likes nature. He just loves nature. All right, listen to me. Let me, let me share this. this will, you wouldn't know this in our nation. His big thing is unity. He loves unity more than anything else. Matter of fact, what's the first thing Jesus prayed for me and you before we went back to heaven? Turn, let me show it to you. Look at me in John 17. And by the way, this prayer is still in effect today. Jesus can get his prayers answered. This one's still being answered today. Now, you know what John 17 is, don't you? We, we call Matthew 6, Luke 11, we call that the Lord's Prayer. That's the model prayer. That's not the Lord's Prayer. He, he, in that prayer, it says, forgive me of my sins. Jesus didn't commit sins. He don't need to pray that prayer. But the Lord's Prayer is John 17. Right before he was executed, on the cross, he prayed this prayer for me and you. And it's, a, it's the most beautiful prayer in the Bible, all of John 17. And uh, in this prayer, he talks to the Father and he asks for eight things for me and you. And let me tell you why I know he was praying for you. Because he said, not only do I pray, I don't pray for, he said, I'm not praying for the, not my people. He said, not only do I pray for these, I pray for all those who will believe in me through their word. 
You believed in Jesus through the word of those men who were standing there right then. I got saved because somebody read out of John 3.16 to me, and John was standing there. So he prayed this prayer for you. He prayed eight things. What's the first thing he prayed for? You have to look down in verse uh, 11. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Father. Keep through your name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. What's the first thing Jesus prayed for you as he left this earth, went back to Father? I want them to be in unity like me and you are in unity. Listen, unity is his. Do you think the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit argue amongst themselves? Do you think God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are debating politics? There is no disunity at all between the three. What did he say? I want them to be as close as we are. I want them to be one as we are. And another prayer he prayed in here, and I believe he wants the world to get saved. All right, watch how he wants to do it. Look with me in, uh, in uh, John 17 about verse, verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me. What does that verse right there say is the key to the world coming to Jesus? When they see the way we love each other, they see the unity of the church is God's key to world evangelism. Guess why Hornyhead has divided the church like he has? Now, let me tell you something about our Father. He loves unity. He loves it. How blessed when brethren dwell together in unity. Guess what Satan hates? He hates the unity in your marriage, and he'll do anything in the world to turn you two against one another. He hates it when a family loves each other and gets along. He hates it when a church loves each other, and he'll do anything in the world to divide a church. He hates a nation being one. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. A house divided, does anybody know the rest? Cannot stand. So guess what the enemy is going to try to do to our house? Divide it so he can destroy it. What did Jesus pray? That they might be one. You say, nobody can be in unity today. Let me tell you something. That prayer, Jesus gets his prayers answered. And we need to believe that he will make us one. And he'll do it. He just loves unity. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. <clears throat> Psalm 133, we won't look at it. The Bible says, how blessed when brethren dwell together in unity because that's where God pours his Holy Spirit out on. That's where the Lord commands the blessing. Much as the oil came down on Aaron's robe, down across the end of the robe. Listen, if you want God, people screaming for God to pour his spirit out, get right with the person beside you. We're begging God to pour his spirit out, walk in unity with the people around you. Can I ask you a question? Was the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost? What did the Bible say they did? And it happened when they were all in one accord. Guess why it said they got in one accord? Because they needed to. The only thing they did to get the Holy Spirit on them was to start loving each other and treating each other right. Unity is where he commands the blessing. I made up my mind a long time ago. The devil in hell is not going to divide me and turn me against my wife. That ain't going to happen. I'm going to love her like Christ loves the church. Well, you say, well, we're different. Take a number and get in line. You don't know what different is. Come to my house. That's not the issue. He's not going to destroy my family or my home by dividing me against her. That ain't going to happen. We're going to walk in unity to each other. <clears throat> you know one of the reasons I'm winning this battle? I got a report on what my enemy's doing, and I'm ready for it. That's called the Bible, too. It's in there. Let me go a little bit further, and then I got to let you go a little bit further. 
This one shocked me when I heard it. I didn't believe it, but let me tell you something. I believe it now. God loves fellowship. He loves fellowship. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. That's why I was made. And you know what fellowship is, don't you? If you say, why don't you come to our house and eat dinner? It's not because I need the food. We're going to sit down. We're gonna, and what, what does fellowship mean? We're going to enjoy each other. Now, fellowship is when two people do what? Enjoy each other. You got it? If we go out to eat and uh, we're eating and we're going to enjoy each other. And maybe you got to talking so much you forgot to eat. Well, obviously you can tell I didn't. <laughs> I know how to do both. Do you remember when Colonel Norm McDowell came here last year? The, the uh, Vietnam veteran who was shot down, spent six years in the Hanoi Hilton there. After church, I, I said, come on, my family wants to take you out to eat. I really wanted my children to be around him. I wanted them to know what a true hero was. So I had all my kids there. So we took him and his wife to the seafood place. I'll tell you all this. Well, it don't matter. I took him to the seafood place over there. And uh, we sat there and we started talking. He started telling stories. We're having the best time with each other. I looked at my watch. We'd been sitting there two hours. He hadn't taken a bite yet. Finally, his wife said, just pack it up. I'll feed it to him this afternoon. <laughs> you know what we were doing? We are just enjoying each other and talking. Guess what that's called? Fellowship. Then was God loves to fellowship. People don't believe that. Can I ask you a question? In the Bible, in the first of the Bible, he put man and woman in a garden, Genesis 3, 8, and God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day and said to Adam, where are you? What was their habit in those days? He just walked down in the garden. They would just walk and talk to each other. Guess why Enoch was no more? Several hundred years, Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him. I think they went walking one day and they got carried away talking. And at the end of the day, they were closer to God's house. He just said, come on to my house. Don't go back to yours. <laughs> then you can have fellowship with God. He created us to have fellowship. He's not the judge that's mad. He's the father who wants to relate to his children. We've missed this in our churches so much. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15 Preachers don't understand that. I'm, I'm just quoting it to you. This is where God is walking. How many of you believe that Jesus is God walking on the earth? I believe that Jesus came to earth to show us what the Father's like. He said, I've come to reveal the Father. And the preachers were so upset because Jesus spent time with sinful people, eating with them. And that Luke 15, 1, 2 is where he said, why does he eat with sinful people? Guess why God eats with sinful people? Because he enjoys it. Why do you go out to eat with people? You ain't going to go twice if you don't have no fun. I mean, if you went on one date and that was it. Never mind. But if you go on a date and it ain't no fun, you ain't going back. Why does God eat with sinful people? He likes eating with sinful people. He said, I just can't believe that. Guess where I got that from? What do you think 1 John 1, 7 means? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. And his blood will cleanse us from all of our sins. Guess what the Bible teaches me in the book of Revelation? Guess what we're going to do for all of eternity? We're going to enjoy God. It's not, I never thought about that. Don't wait till eternity. Get started now. Why do you think they write songs like he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me? You can get to know God personally and enjoy time with him. It's not just about praying, getting your prayers. Man. Go out in the woods sometime. Just tell him, I'm not asking for a thing today. I thought we'd just visit. You were created for that. Wouldn't it be terrible to live your whole life and not know why you was created? Uh, let me just throw in two more real quick. You know what real quick means when I say it. Um, he's real big on humility. Man, if there's one lesson this book teaches, he loves humility. James 4, 6, God resists proud people, 
but he shows kindness to the humble. That verse ought to change our lives right there. If you'll humble yourself, he'll be kind to you. He, he just loves you. My favorite passage on humility, Luke chapter 17, it says this. Two men went up to the church one day to pray, a preacher and a crook. What do you think? What comes in your mind when you say a preacher and a crook? Went to pray in the church. And the preacher prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, swindlers, even as that crook. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all the money I make. And the crook wouldn't even lift up his eyes, but he beat on his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, the crook went down to his house with his prayers answered, not the preacher, because everyone who's proud of himself will be brought down, but he who humbles himself will be raised up. God just likes humility. Besides, let me make an announcement for what I've learned this from this book too. They ain't nobody got nothing to crow about in front of him. Never mind. It's true. Can I throw in one more? You know I'm going to because I got the microphone on. One more. And this is the one that, sh this is the most shocking. I think the two things that shocked me the most about him is how much he likes fellowship. And this is the thing that shocked me the most. God likes people. You say, why would you say that? I didn't know that. God just really likes people. And let me tell you something else. He enjoys them. He just enjoys people. Listen to me, all people. Even if they're not perfect yet. Guess why he has to like imperfect people? Contrary to popular opinion, ain't nobody got there yet. He just really likes people. And uh, that's why the ministers, why I just quoted it, they were shocked in Luke 15. If this man claims to be God, why is he over there eating with him hookers? What's the answer? God likes hookers. He likes crooks. He likes people. See, the church told me, when you get straightened out, you can be a part of us. That's ungodly. Listen, you come here if you're, I don't care if you're screwed up. Come on. <laughs> come on, come unto me, all ye who have got it all figured out. That's not what it says. God just likes people. He just really, he, let me go a little further from the Bible. He enjoys people. He thinks I'm funny <laughs> when I'm fishing. He does. I catch his fish and put him back so he'll be happy. I want him to last. One of the craziest, he's doing everything he can to reach people. I don't know if you ever heard this or not. One of the strangest verses in the Bible, Jesus said to preachers and to religious people, he said, I've done everything I can to reach you and you don't respond to anything. He said, you're like children in the marketplace. I play a happy song, you won't dance. I play a funeral song, you won't cry. I just, no matter what I do, I can't reach you. And then he said this, John the Baptist came not eating and drinking. You said he had a demon. The son of man comes down here eating and drinking and you call him a pig, a drunk, and a friend of sinners. I maybe knew that verse was in the Bible. That's in Luke chapter seven. I really would. <laughs> you know what I'd hate? Be a preacher, die, stand in front of God one day and him look at me and say, are you the one that called my son a pig? A drunk? And a friend of sinners. Well, don't worry about the pig and drunk stuff. By the way, I, I, okay, I know some of you will look it up. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. But what did, what did they call him? He is a friend of sinners. Has anybody here got a friend? You know what I love about friends? Different from family. You're stuck with your friends. I mean, you're stuck with your family. 
They got to be your family, whether they like it or not. You get to choose your friends. I love these words. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. I have called you friends. Because everything the Father's told me, I'm telling you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Somebody should write a song and call it the friend of God. Yes, I'm so screwed up. You're just the type he wants to be a friend with. I'm telling you, he just likes people. He just really does. And I just, one of the, um, and, and then right after that word, they called him a pig. Actually, they called him a glutton, a wine-bibber, and a friend of sinners. You know what glutton is, don't you? That's a man who eats too much. You know what a wine-bibber is? That's a man who bibs wine. And uh, it just means you drink too much alcohol. If, you, if you're a Baptist, don't try looking it up. It's not in your Bible, but it's in there. <laughs> and a friend of sinners. He got done with that. And the Bible said a minister invited him to dinner. Now you listen to this. You talk about a man that loves people. A minister invited him to dinner, so he went. And they're, they're at the table. And the Bible said they're at the table and a hooker came in. A wicked woman. She was, a, she was the town tramp. And she came in. Now, let me tell you, they were reclined at the table. They don't sit at the table like we do. Like They recline at the table. Table's low down here. You sit on your bottom and you lean, you lean over like this. And you put your feet out behind you. That's what it means they reclined at table. And the Bible said she came in. She wasn't invited. She wouldn't have got invited. She just came in the house and walked right up to where God was. And all these fancy preachers. And the Bible she said she got down and she began to kiss his feet. And weep and her tears wet his feet. And she washed his feet with her hair. All right, the preacher said this. He said, within himself, this man's not God. If this man were God, he would know what kind of woman she is. He didn't say it out loud, though. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, uh, Simon. He said, Simon, I want to say something to you. And he said, speak, master. And he said, a certain man had two creditors. One owed him $500, one owed him $50. And he decided to freely forgive them both. And he said, which one do you think would love him more? He said, I suppose the one who was forgiven 500. And he said, you have spoken correctly. And Simon went, he might be God, pretty smart. He knows how smart I am. All of a sudden, Jesus said, you see this woman? Simon said, uh-oh, I got a feeling that wasn't about money. <laughs> he said, you see this woman? He said, I came into your house. You didn't kiss me. You gave me no feet for my water. He said, she has not stopped washing my feet with her tears because her sins, which are many, are forgiven. That's why she loves me so much. And though the ministers were bothered by wicked women, Jesus wasn't bothered by them being all over him and kissing his feet. And listen, he, he just likes people. He loves people. He loves the most sinful people. And uh, that's the delight. You, you ever get to know him? Here's the bottom line. You get to know him, you'll just love him. You'd be crazy. you think he's the greatest thing in the world. I got three minutes. Can I show you something else? What you going to do? Fire me? Turn me to Proverbs chapter 6. All right, real quick. Now, I told you this, and I promise you, I'll get three minutes. Asian time. Proverbs 6. All right, I met my wife, and I found out the things she liked, because if we're going to have a relationship, I got to start doing what she likes. I mean, we can't, we can't carry this thing too far between me and her. She hates fishing. I love fishing. Sad for you. But um, you, I've heard of women who will go fishing to be with their husbands. Mine tells me, good luck. You can go by yourself. So we can't carry it too far, but I had to find what, let me tell you what else I had to find out my wife, uh, something about my wife to have a relationship. I had to find out what she didn't like. And first thing I found out, we'd, I'd known her 14 minutes. I found out she didn't like cigarettes. That last one I ever smoked right there. I had to decide, you want the cigarettes, you want the woman. Let me make an announcement. 
Woman trumps cigarettes anytime. Can I get a witness? Not all of them. Mine did. <laughs> I was a whole lot better. Dear ones, if I'm going to walk with God, I want to know what he's like. But let me tell you something else. I want to know some things he doesn't like. Because I don't want to do what he doesn't like. Are we, are, are we connecting here? Here it is, real simply. Here's the list, in case you ever wonder. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These six things God hates. Seven make him sick. I want to know what makes him sick, what he hates. Number one, cockiness. I thought it had been child molestation. What does the Bible say? Proud look, cockiness. Lying. Let me make an announcement. He don't like lying. <laughs> Guess why he don't like lying? What's his name? The truth. So he don't like lying. Hands that shed innocent blood. He hates murder. A heart that devises wicked plans. Quit stabbing people in the back. Feet that run to evil. A false witness who speaks lies, or we would call him a politician today. I was, why did I say that? Right there, I just, just broke the rule right there. Can't believe I said that. I shouldn't have said that. People said they ain't no good in politics this week. Listen, I'm not being political here or being one side or the other, but I'm going to tell you something. You want to see something beautiful? You watch the woman that's on display this week in the Supreme Court. That lady's got God all over her. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't let me, let me, And one more here, watch this. One who sows discord among the brethren. He does not like people who divide people. Uh, excuse me, he doesn't like people when they divide people. So you know what? If I'm going to walk around with him, if he don't like smoking, I got to quit smoking. I want to make an announcement. He's not near as bothered by smoking as he is by stabbing people in the back. I learned... I'm going to get off the Baptist. I've been so good to him tonight. Please forgive me. I'm so in discord among the brethren. I, I learned that the main thing with God is don't smoke, don't drink, don't smile. That's what I was taught. You could stab your neighbor in the back. You could hate people and never forgive them what they've done, but you better not smoke. That's what I learned when I went to church. I'm glad I got a Bible and read it and found out I, who would like a God like that? I'm going to tell you, I got to know him. I liked him a whole lot better. So in case you're ever wondering, maybe you ought to take them things out of you. Just get rid of them things right there. And uh, if you want to do something for him, don't buy him a pocket knife. Tell him, I've come out here in the woods today not to ask for nothing. I just thought I'd visit with you. Because he loves fellowship. That's what he loves. And the more you get to know him, the more you're going to love him. And on top of all that, you get to spend all of eternity with the greatest guy that ever lived. Listen, this is win-win for me and you both. Lord Jesus, I just praise you and thank you. I want to pray over these folks and over those that are watching more than anything else. Uh, your word said, don't, don't get excited because you're smart. Don't be excited because you're in charge. Don't be excited because you're rich. If you're going to crow, crow because you're getting to know me and you're finding out what I like and you're finding out really how great I am, how beautiful I am. And Father, we're going to spend eternity getting to know you. I mean, you created everything. You're my father. Lord Jesus, you're my husband. We're going to spend eternity together. I don't want to wait till I get there to start getting to know what you're like. I want to know what you're like now. And the more I get to know you in this word and by your spirit, I am, I am just captured by the beauty of Jesus and the wonder. You fill heaven and earth. You're that big and you're also that wonderful. I pray over every person. Lord Jesus, I know you love to hear prayer. You said, you said prayer is your delight. Nothing thrills you more than to hear the prayers of you people. So here's my prayer for these folks tonight. In the name of Jesus, the eyes of their heart will be opened and they will see the beauty of Christ.
They will see Jesus in all of his glory and splendor and wonder, and they will be captured by the beauty of the Son of God who rules heaven and earth. I thank you and praise you. Praise you for your goodness. precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.